0: Breaking news on this Wednesday morning, the Vegas Golden Knights will not be going 82-0 this hockey season. It's a darn shame, it's a darn travesty, but they ran into a buzzsaw last night in the Boston Bruins. How did it happen? What went down? And how did Vegas suffer its first loss of the season? We'll dissect that all and more coming up on this new edition of Locked On Golden Knights. Happy Wednesday, everybody, and here we go. All right, everybody, we are back. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Golden Nights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Wednesday to you. Uh, it's the middle of the week. We're chugging through. We're almost there to the end of the week. It's a good feeling. Uh, it's still, to, to my knowledge, it's still known as Hump Day. If you still call it Hump Day to kind of give you that invigorating release that the weekend is almost here, more power to you, and I respect you for that, and I will totally be on board For you calling it Hump Day. But my other hope is that you've had a better 50 plus minute stretch than what the Vegas Golden Knights had against the Boston Bruins on Tuesday night. We will talk about that in a little bit. But welcome to all of you. I am your host, Danny Webster, Vegas correspondent for NHL.com, site manager for SB Nations Knights on Ice. And as we do every other day, it is my uh, civic duty to, one, thank you all for listening. Thank you to you all who have downloaded, who have subscribed to the podcast, wherever your wherever get your, uh, you your podcast, whether it be Apple, whether it be Spotify, whether it be Google Podcasts, whether it be Stitcher. Uh, kudos to Stitcher. You're still going strong. We get a couple days in. Uh, but wherever you get your podcast, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing. And if you haven't subscribed yet and if you haven't downloaded yet, please feel free to do so. We're giving you uh, the daily dose of the Vegas Golden Knights every single day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And uh, we're bringing it to you every after every game. We're bringing it to you after every major news event that happens. So make sure you are, pun intended, as always, locked on to this podcast. And be sure to be subscribed if you ever want your dose of Vegas Golden Knights news. So thank you all for listening. And again, hope you're having a good day and hope you were having a better day than the Vegas Golden Knights because it looked it looked promising. I I talked about it on uh I think on Tuesday. I think I said it on Tuesday. If they scored within about 10 minutes, things were going to be looking good for the Golden Knights when they faced the Boston Bruins at T-Mobile Arena on Tuesday. I said if they scored within the first 10 minutes, they'd be in good shape. Not only did Vegas score once in the first 10 minutes, they scored twice in the first 10 minutes. And they were buzzing. They were on a roll. And at that, I didn't think it was going to be like a full dominant shutout on the hands of the Golden Knights. But you at least got the feeling in the building after the second goal that they were going to be in control for most of the game. And then all of a sudden, at the, at the drop of a dime, the Boston Bruins top line took over. The only way the Boston Bruins top line could. And, you know, when you watch, I've always said this, and I kind of said it when I first started covering the team back in year one. You don't really get an appreciation for the top-tier talent in the NHL until you watch them live. And I've gotten the chance to watch the Boston Bruins now three times in three years. The first time was kind of an aberration because Malcolm Subban got his first NHL win against his former team and that was, I, that was a complete and utter mind-blowing event that I don't think was ever thought of in the lexicon of hockey universe. The second time, it was a shootout. It ended in a shootout. Boston got the victory. But this time around, you're seeing the Bruins fresh off a, an appearance in the Stanley Cup final, one win away from winning the whole kit and caboodle, and really, had it not been for a couple calls throughout the series, it might have been the Stanley Cup uh, having a parade in Boston. So this is a very talented team, and I knew that going in. but I also thought if Vegas could hold their own, especially in the early going, that they were going to be they were gonna be in a good place. And for about eleven minutes of that game, they were in a very good place. I mean, Mark Stone gets the party rolling with a power play goal at 636 of the first period. Uh, his second goal of the season, his fifth point in three games. And Vegas is off and running with a 1-0 lead off a great play by Cody Glass along the boards. Centers it to Patcheretti. Patcheretti dishes it off to Stone, who fires it past Tukarask for the 1-0 lead. Uh, less than two minutes later, Riley Smith gets on the board for his third goal of the season at 820, and Vegas up 2 nothing. the place is buzzing, the place is loud, the, env- the environment is crazy, and Vegas is off and rolling. And at that point, it's like, okay, you got a two-goal lead, you know Boston sounds it, but you know in your building, in your, uh, in your house, you have the capability of really putting the, uh, the foot on the gas with a two-goal lead in that building. That would not be the case. <laughs> As, uh, as evidence of last night, because Brad Marchand decided, you know what? Screw you, screw your crowd. I'm going to come in and shut all of you up, and that, in fact, is what he did. Uh, Brad Marchand with a three point night, uh, starting with an assist, a beautiful feed to David Pasternak at 11:21 of the first, cuts the lead to two to one. 18:58 of the first. Marshan scores his second goal of the season on the power play, that Bruins power play. Oh, my Lord. It is one scary of a freaking sight. Marshan scores off a great feed from Pasternak, and it's tied 2-2 just like that at the snap of a finger going into the second period. And then it did not last long in the second period. Brad Marshan, 33 seconds into the second period. Off a turnover by Shea Theodore, which I'm still trying to figure out to this day, or or to this minute, I should say, what in the world happened on that play? Theodore dumps the puck in from the neutral zone. Uh, Pasternak gets it right on the tape of his stick. Marshan immediately, and I mean immediately, the minute Theodore dumps the puck in from the neutral zone, Pasternak gets it on the tape of his stick. Flicks it to Marshan. Marshan is going one on one on Theodore, and he groups it over Flurry Far Side to give the Bruins a 3 2 lead. And then, less than two minutes later, Tory Krug, with his first goal of the game, or his first goal of the season, makes it 4 2. And just like that, all the momentum Vegas had just because of that top line gone. 4 2 lead going into the third period. Vegas did not have a shot on goal for, I believe, seven or eight minutes of the third period. They got on the board at fourteen forty-two with Max Pacioretty's first goal of the season. Um, to make it 4-3, and Vegas had a mad dash at the end uh, with the extra attacker, but it was too little too late. The Bruins, led by that top line, led by Brad Marchand's 3-point night, David Pasternak had a 2-point night, and the Bruins... Go into T-Mobile Arena and defeat the Golden Knights after trailing two to nothing, score four straight, and eventually win four to three over the Golden Knights. So a big night for the top line. And uh, you know, after the game, the Golden Knights were pretty—they—they uh, they were pretty okay with how they played, but they know that they could have won that game. And Mark Stone, who has now started the season with three multi-point games. Uh, felt like that his team was in pretty good shape. Yeah, I mean, I thought we played pretty well most of the night. Um, our, our, I think our ten minutes, last ten minutes, of the first period was very good. Um, obviously, our start to the period and period two was wasn't very good, but um, we didn't really give up a ton of looks. Uh, but the ones we did were, were were too high end. And it was just one of those games where you're watching it live, and you get the you get the big fight feel, even though it's three games in, you get the big fight feel of you know, if these two teams were to meet in May, and I know I used the word Stanley Cup final preview a couple of times uh, throughout the last couple of days, but it is true and it is a legit thing that can happen. And I think a lot of people would very much take a seven-game series of these two teams. I mean, the, the contrast in styles that you get from Boston compared to Vegas, you got the star power in Boston versus the star power in Vegas. If that were to be the Stanley Cup final, come May or June, uh, it doesn't matter who would have home ice. That would be one hell of a series to watch. And I think it would be probably the most entertaining East versus West series you can think of. Um, but in any event, Vegas played well for the first 11 minutes. And we'll kind of dissect it a little bit more uh, later on. But I, th- I thought that for the most part, if it weren't for a, a few sloppy plays... And losing the puck on a, on a couple of key moments, Vegas could have easily tied the game in the second period or they could have, uh, they could have stolen that game. It had a few, uh, few rounds of puck luck went their way. So we'll talk a little bit more um, about that later on. Um, but right now, I know a lot of people were, I believe it was 18,500 that were at T-Mobile Arena last, last night. Again, a very packed crowd. And I'm pretty sure that they found a way to get some really good tickets at a really good deal. And you know what? Like I, like I mentioned the other day, when you get a chance to go to a Golden Knights game, you need to make sure that you take your family with you because it is an experience unlike any other in the National Hockey League. And did you know that you can get rewarded? for seeing your favorite live events. Vivid Seats wants you to do just that. Vivid Seats is the online event ticket marketplace geared to get you to see your favorite events that will make lasting memories for you and yours. Your favorite artists, teams, theater shows, all available at a great price through the Vivid Seats app. If you download the Vivid Seats app today, you'll automatically be enrolled into the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program And you're probably wondering, Danny, what the hell does that mean? Well, I'll tell you. You can get rewarded for buying tickets and enjoying yourself at a game, at a concert. If you buy tickets, you can get rewarded. And if you're thinking on going to Saturday's game between the Golden Knights and the Calgary Flames at T-Mobile Arena, you're going to probably want to get the best available tickets for your buck. And And this might be the best time... That you can that you can have to get tickets for a great price. All you've got to do, this is all you gotta do, and, and it's easy and it's simple and it's gonna help you a lot. So you gotta listen closely here. All you've gotta do is download the Vivid Seats app, whether it be in the App Store or on Google Play. You go download the Vivid Seats app and enter the promo code postseason. That's P O S T. S-E-A-S-O-N, just in time for baseball postseason, which, by the way, top seeds in baseball in an elimination do or die situation in game five. How crazy is that? And if you're a baseball fan in that market, whether it be in Houston or in L.A., this might be a perfect time for you to go go get those tickets. But if you go download the Vivid Seats app, enter the promo code POSTSEASON, are you ready for this? You can receive a discount for up to $100 on your first purchase. Are you kidding me? $100. You can save triple digits on tickets to your favorite event. That's absolutely insane. All you got to do is download the Vivid Seats app, enter the promo code POSTSEASON, and save a boatload of money to go see whatever it is you want to go see. I know that... Um, at the Smith Center, I, I think Wicked is coming soon. My wife loves Wicked. She, that's one of her favorite uh, Broadway musicals. They're coming to Smith Center. I'm sure we can find a way to get some tickets at a nice price over there, especially if we use the Vivid Seats app. Every purchase is backed by a 100% guarantee, so you know you're getting a legit deal. Just download the Vivid Seats app on your App Store or on Google Play and save today. Go download the Vivid Seats app and enter the promo code POSTSEASON. That's one word, P-O-S-T-S-E-A-S-O-N, for $100 in discounts. Again, that's POSTSEASON. as the promo code in Vivid Seats, $100. That's V-I-V-I-D SEATS. Promo code POSTSEASON. Don't miss out on this deal it is too good to pass up. So where do we even begin by by kind of fully dissecting into this game? Because Vegas played well enough, I think, to put themselves in a position to win. Uh, unfortunately, the Bruins are now winners of four consecutive games against the Golden Knights. Ever since Vegas won the very first meeting back in October of 2017, Vegas has lost the following four, and you know that's not an indictment on the Golden Knights. They just play against teams where they have their where teams have their number, and it's it's hard for any team. You know, it's really hard for any team to even come remotely close to playing against the Bruins. It's a hard thing to do. It's such a uh, it's such a tall task. To go out there and try and contain that top line of Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak. And when Marchand is going the way he was last night, that team is so incredibly tough to stop. But there were definitely some chances left on the board for the Golden Knights, especially in the second period when they were... I wouldn't say getting run out of the arena, because even though it did look like that at four 2 two minutes into the third the into the second period there, what there's always that sense that you think that Vegas is going to come back and eventually either tie or win the game. And they, there was definitely that sense. Um, There was definitely that sense in the second period, but a lot of sloppy plays, a lot of turnovers, a lot of plays that, you can't do against the Bruins. You need to capitalize on your opportunities. One that, I, that comes freshly to mind was in the second period, Vegas down by two, about probably past the two-thirds mark of the second period. Golden Knights get a turnover, and it's the third line, It's the Stasny line, which really had overall an abysmal night, an abysmal night. I'm not a big fan of analytics. I don't like I don't like to pretend that I know what I'm talking about when it comes to analytics, but I'm sure if I were to look at the advanced stats, it would probably back up the claim that they were god awful and there was no better way to fully grasp that concept than when Vegas got a turnover, had a three on one on Boston and Brandon Peary just lost the puck. He's walking in on Rast. There's one defender left to play, uh, play the attackers. Peary walks in and really has a chance to either set up a good pass to kind of get Vegas back into it or take the shot himself, and Peary just lost the puck. That was probably the icing on the cake that was a very, very bad night for Brandon Peary. I think if I were to look at the exact numbers here, I, I, I got the numbers here. Brandon Peary played 12-26, committed a penalty, and did not have a shot on goal. That's probably one shot he would like to have, is on a three-on-one. And that could have turned the tide completely. If, And even if Rask makes a save, you at least know you've got an opportunity to score on him. But Tuka Rask settled in very nicely after giving up those two goals. And even the second goal really wasn't his his fault, to be honest. That second goal from Riley Smith really wasn't his fault. Because uh, Brandon Carlo just lost Smith on the back door, and there was nothing Rask could do. After that goal was given up, Rask settled in. The defense settled in. Rask made two huge stops in the second period. Uh, one on Jonathan Marshall, The next on William Carlson, back to back. Stopping both on the doorstep. That was another instance where Vegas could have made some uh, could have made some noise and cut into the lead. And then there was another instance where Riley Smith uh, was walking in on Rask. Had a chance to get a shot off, and then Smith completely lost the puck. Uh, there it was just that kind of night for the Golden Knights. and Vegas knows that if you give a team like Boston that kind of room, they're gonna make you pay and Jonathan Marshsol talked about it when we uh, when we used his comments yesterday and they were on from yesterday's episode. You give a team like Boston that much firepower, with that much firepower, you give them chances to score, they are going to take advantage. Fortunately enough, Boston was only one for three, I believe, on the power play. So kudos to Vegas for being able to even kill those other two power plays. But in any event, uh, Vegas played well enough, I think, to win. But it's hard to recover against Boston, which is a team that does so many little things correctly. And it was a question I phrased to uh, Tory Krug, the Bruins defenseman, uh, last night after the game. I, said, I pretty much asked him, what makes, what? how much do you take pride in doing the little things right? And part of that question was stemming from Marshan's second goal, where most players would not react to dashing to the other end of the ice immediately when they know that they forced a the turnover, but the minute Theodore or by the, by the second that Theodore dumped that puck in from the neutral zone, and again I have no idea. I've watched that replay two or three times. I have no idea what everybody's doing. I don't. I wonder if they weren't expecting Theodore to dump it i thought that maybe they were expecting theodore to carry it in through the neutral zone and into the attacking zone and then try and set something up but that kind of mistake you can't do that against a team that's battle tested like boston because the minute theodore dumped that puck in Posternak got it on his stick and Marshand was gone like there was no way theodore was going to catch up to him and then at that point, it was just Theodore. It was just uh, Marshan versus Mark Andre Fleury, and Fleury really had no chance. That there was no way he was going to stop that. And it's the little things, and it helps to have a a line like that that can stabilize your play, and it and it goes a long way, and trickles down the entire rest of the locker room, and you make plays like that. Boston showed. That they can take advantage of it, and that and that was just the kind of night that Vegas had. And the other moment that you know sting, I won't say stings; it's not really a good word. The other the other moment that kind of sticks out was Pacioretty's near goal in the second period that hit the post and then stayed out, and then the replay caught him yelling a a very bad word that rhymed with duck. And that was the moment where I'm like, okay, nothing's going for the Golden Knights tonight. Even if they somehow score to cut to 4-3, there's no way that they're going to be able to make anything happen and tie the game. And sure enough, Pacioretty does score in the power play with less than, uh, with less than six minutes to go. But had that goal gone in, had Pacioretty scored that first goal and didn't hit the post, I mean, we're talking a completely new ball game at that point. So Vegas did have its opportunities for even when they were up to nothing, they didn't play their best. And I think Brad Marchand put it a little bit better. He thought that the Bruins outplayed the Golden Knights in the first period. And, and for the most part, they very much did. Even when they were up to nothing, uh, the penalty that leads to the stone goal. And then again, a miscommunication between Brandon and Carlo and, uh, you know, him losing his assignment and Riley Smith going back door and beating Rask, you take those two goals away, Boston pretty much dominates that entire first period. And somehow, even down 4-2, Vegas still had ample opportunities, but Tuka Rask is that good. That top line for Boston is too good. And, you know, maybe it's a good thing that they got this out of the way, third game out of 82. Because now you know where you need to be the, the rookies were a little bit battle-tested. Nick Hague didn't have his best game, uh, especially with the first goal from uh, Posternak. Not not his finest moment with Derek England. And, you know, Cody Glass played okay. But this was definitely, you can definitely uh, cue this up as a wake-up call for the Golden Knights. You know, maybe they're not there yet. Maybe they are still got a long way to go, and they they know they need to play better. And that was a game that if you need to know where you stand and where you need to get better at, that's probably not a bad way to, uh, to assess the team three games into the season. So the Golden Knights will be at the Arizona Coyotes on Thursday. They will return home Saturday against the Calgary Flames. Um, so a couple of big division matchups coming up. And then the Kings will be followed suit um, right after the Calgary game. So a lot of the big division matchups coming up for the Golden Knights, and again they're on the they're on the road. They come back, they're on the road again. So a big stretch coming up for Vegas, and hopefully that matchup against Boston helps them a little bit because it's not going to get any easier if Arizona figures out how to score and if Calgary can still maintain its hot start through uh, through Johnny Gaudreau and company. So big games coming up for Vegas this week to kind of rebound. After, I guess you can call it a, best way to call it would be a reality check for the young Golden Knights. Are they young? I don't know. It it depends how you feel, but definitely some big games coming up for Vegas. So before Vegas took the ice on Tuesday night, something, I guess you can call it miraculous? Because based on last season, this would definitely be, definitely be a miraculous moment. James Neal scored four goals in a game last night at the New York Islanders. A team that made the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs last year. But they're dealing with goaltending issues, so I guess there's a, there's a way to offset that. But James Neal... Scored four goals. The Edmonton Oilers are three and zero. They are now in first place, along with the Anaheim Ducks in the Pacific Division. Uh, this is the true epitome of this is why they play eighty-two games. But the Oilers got the victory over the Islanders. James Neal with four goals. I mean, this is coming from a man who had about as forgetful of a season as you could possibly have with the Calgary Flames last year. Two years removed from getting to the Stanley Cup final with the Golden Knights. James Neal goes to Calgary. That experiment goes completely awry. And he then gets traded. To Edmonton for Milan Lucic. And that's probably my phone buzzing, telling me to not talk smack about James Neal. But alas, it, uh, it actually isn't. But um, unbelievable, unbelievable early turnaround for James Neal, who, again, a fall from grace it, it, the experiment just didn't work in Calgary. It, it, if it did work, who knows what would have happened with the Flames last year. But he gets traded to Edmonton for Milan Lucic in one of the more laughable trades of the offseason. And James Neal right now is on a tear. Six goals, I believe it is, through three games for the real deal. And I would like to put this into perspective because it has been brought to my attention a great deal in the last uh, few hours or so. The Minnesota Wild have scored four goals in two games this season. James Neal has six. Why didn't the Wild think about trading for James Neal? Just a thought just just a concept thought so uh in any event uh very very excited to see James Neal back in form and uh if he can keep this up, he's on pace for like three million five hundred thousand goals this year, uh, which by the way would be an all time record of epic proportions but if he keeps this up. And he adds that other uh, scoring element that the Oilers have desperately needed alongside uh, McDavid and Drysidel. Edmonton might have something. Now, again, the goaltending is going to be the big question mark for, for the Oilers. But right now, James Neal—if he picks this up—if he goes back to like Nashville, James Neal, that that's going to be that's going to be a scary tandem if they can keep scoring at this rate and and again I don't think James Neal is going to put up you know 60 goals this season but it's very interesting to see how that's unfolded early on so kudos to James Neal I'm sure Golden Knights fans still miss him uh they are uh they there are a lot of people who probably would like to still see some somewhat of that same core uh be retained but you know what? David Perron won a cup. James Neal is scoring 50 million goals in a game. So the spirit lives on. The spirit lives on for the former Golden Knight legends in their respective new teams. So kudos to them. Uh, that is going to do it for us, guys. Uh, we've talked ad nauseum about uh, this game and what is to come tomorrow. We will be discussing the Golden Knights and the Coyotes um, and how Phil Kessel's arrival impacts Arizona and can Vegas go on the road and get another big division win and get things back on track after their hiccup on Tuesday. So that'll do it for us tonight, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I don't know why I said tonight. It really is today. If you're listening to this at night, Uh, We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope that this is a good way to end your day. But thank you all for tuning in. I hope you all have a great hump day. If you still call it hump day, you know, once again, more power to you. I am Danny Webster. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And we will see you guys back here tomorrow talking about the Golden Knights and the Coyotes. See you then. Have a good one.